I might not be stronger than Hemsworth, but I'm a damn sight smarter. What's that? On your screen. Some kind of program about a Westworld on TV. Well, it doesn't sound like anything to me. I'm Red Scott. And I'm Ivan Hernandez. And this doesn't sound like anything to me. The third best Westworld podcast covering the second episode of the third season. And I don't know where we're going with this season. I'm so I, excited by it. I, I, I guess I get for a second. I was like, Oh my God, they're going to uh, do the thing that they do when they have no idea what to do with a character who they really love, but don't have an arc for. So they're just going to have her redo her entire arc from the last season. Uh, AKA, uh, the, the, the fucking Sarah Sarioko in counterpart season two. <laughs> But no, apparently they're going to give her a new arc instead of just having her be like, oh, no, my daughter again, because I can't deal with any of this fucking no, my daughter shit again. That, there's so many points in this episode where like they are not doing that with this character. And then I was like, oh, they're not doing that with this character. <laughs> OK, so do you want to get to the thing that I was like, oh, this is a stupid TV show the most? I feel like we can get to the sh- shitty part chronologically. It's going to be sitting there <laughs> waiting for us. It's definitely not the part that made me the most mad. Oh, do we have two? Do we have two separate points that made us mad at this television show? I mean, mine made me mad, but then uh, it turned out they were they were joshing with me, and I was like, "All right, you guys." <laughs> this was the joshing with you episode. <laughs> this is the this is the episode where they're like, "Hey, we've got fifteen different possibilities for our characters, and fourteen of them are bad." So this was written by Matt Pitts and Lisa Joy, directed by Richard. Lewis? Richard Lewis directed this? <laughs> I, I, I did see that, and I was like, wow, he, he really has branched out. Yeah. I mean, this By is, the way. This late career did you Did you also get the incredibly long coronavirus infomercial? This HBO show, COVID-19, does not sound enticing. I, for a second, I was like, Oh my god, how did Westworld possibly get this right? <laughs> I was literally like, "What? wow, they really rushed to uh, insert this uh, uh, video into uh, Westworld season uh, uh, three, episode two. I mean, just the fact that they, they had Italy being invaded, <laughs> but they were already halfway there. But yeah, they had previews for Run, which looked very cool, big fan of Merritt Weaver, and coronavirus. Big fan of Domino Gleason as well. Domino, big fan of Domino Gleason as well. Um, and, and, but the a- coronavirus And then coronavirus. Show, yeah, did uh, not look as... The music seemed completely tonally wrong for a show that terrifying. Uh, I, I know that they were trying to be very uh, comforting with those graphics and that, uh, that uh, sound bed, but uh, the entire time I was just like... I, I know all of this information. It plays on a video screen in the back of my head uh, over and over every single time that I'm awake. Uh, you don't need to tell me this. Also, this is one of the strangest pandemics in human history because they're constantly trying to give us information. And the only information we need to know is just stay inside and watch movies. This is something incredibly strange. Uh, New York has these kiosks. Okay. That have like video screens on them. Uh, that uh. you, you can get like Wi-Fi in them. They're they are generally meant to be like kind of video billboards that are attached to Wi-Fi kiosks uh, uh, that are mostly used by uh, p- people who would need a, a street-based Wi-Fi kiosk. Sure. All of the video messages are stay home, COVID nineteen. Stay home, please stay home. Even if you feel good, stay home. And then like cute like cartoon graphics. 
Yeah, that seems absolutely horrifying. I don't want to have. It's to incredibly have horrifying. I don't want. It's to very horrifying. With that. I I don't want a min- minority report like future where all the ads are like, "You're gonna die just by being outside." Also, I still remember the first time, and it's San Francisco, so it was very early. We're talking like 2011, 2012, where I saw the first iPad register at a hipster coffee shop, and I was like, this is going to be how it spreads. This is, this is how we're going to 12 monkeys the whole planet. Just everybody way, just smearing their whole hand over this fucking touchscreen service just to get a cup of coffee? That's, that's not good. Maybe it's just because it's New York, but I have not seen a fucking iPad uh, register in the entire time I've uh, been here. Nah, you pay the traditional New York way. A satchel full of gold coins that you toss <laughs> at people. That's all about social distancing. You toss your payment to somebody from a, from your horse that's at least six feet higher than the plebeians <laughs> below you so that you don't have to risk transmitting disease. So you doing all right otherwise, buddy? Yeah, I'm fine. I don't know. It's, it feels like a time where you should ask that. <laughs> if I die, you're going to find out because you're going to uh, DM me and I'm not going to respond. But this time I'm not going to respond forever. There's going to be like six weeks where I'm going to be like, I don't know what I did, but he's so mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> then somebody's going to be like, oh, no, we found this disgusting corpse. I'm just going to get a package in the mail and it's going to be like, Ivan wanted you to have this. And it's just the Garfield mug. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> it's got my DNA in it. One day in the future, reconstruct me from this mug. <laughs> well, before we can get into the meat of this episode, we need to know what happened previously on Westworld. Mave is back, and with a commensurate bump and pay now that Anthony Hopkins is off. <laughs> hey, it's Felix. I remember that guy. See, this is why you should never have kids or kid-shaped robots. <laughs> hey, remember those problematic indigenous people? Hey, remember that Maeve had robot Jesus powers? <laughs> hey, remember that people were just throwing pearls around at the end of last season like it was Folsom Street Fair? <laughs> and finally, right now, a single rickety boat is actually the safest way to travel internationally. <laughs> and that was previously on Westworld. That is the safest way to travel that internationally. Is. They had uh, plenty of social distance on that rickety boat. Just go to just go to Fisherman's Wharf, find Captain Tom, slap him a couple <laughs> hundreds and like see if you can go somewhere. That's the best way to travel. So we we are reminded that Maeve has her powers have been increased. Her she uses the term this episode I'm never going to be able to remember. Her smarts were increased a lot. <laughs> Bulky perception, remember? Remember? That was something they kept throwing around. And, and fucking, maybe it's just me, but I do not have the time to remember any science fiction program's stupid terminology right now. I'm either going to call uh, the, the all-knowing machine the machine or Randy Bob. <laughs> That's what I've been calling it internally. <laughs> Randy Bob the machine. It's the, it's the only phrase I can remember. Not, not without those H's and, and lack of M's and N's to latch onto in the middle. Rehoboam. Rehoboam. Randy Bob. Rehoboam. This was mentioned on Twitter, and I have to get to this because this is incredibly important. You might, in this episode, Ashley Stubbs, played by one of the Hemsworths, he uh, gets shot in the arm, and, he, and, he, and he's immediately lipping with it with his arm loose. And I found the interview where they talk about this. This is a quote from Hemsworth. I got shot in the arm, and that was something we had to do because I couldn't move my arm properly when my bicep got ripped off. Interviewer, Kim Renfro. Oh my god, how did that happen? Hemsworth. I was hanging a TV by myself on a ladder and just... M-dash. It was a big TV. It was really big. And it was a really long way up. 
I was just kind of bouncing it to get it onto the brackets, and it just went like, makes a popping sound. It was like an axe chop, but I got the TV on. Somehow the TV was on the brackets, and it's still there to this day. And I'm going to repeat what I said. I might not be stronger than Hemsworth, (laughs) but I'm a damn sight smarter. (laughs) I got that 75-inch TV up, one man only, didn't, not a single injury. To be fair, you did not need a ladder. Could you imagine your TV? <laughs> I, I was not mounting it on a wall. I, I do believe if I had tried to mount it on a wall by myself, I would have died. A one-arming, a 75-inch TV. You're like, <laughs> I'm a Hemsworth. I can lift anything. I do. I would love to see him actually doing it and, and just like, just, just actually one-handing a 75-inch or using Hemsworth power. Somebody call Bob Saget. We need to bring back America's Funniest Home Videos just for this moment. I'm, I, I would watch America's Funniest Hemsworth Videos. If you're unfamiliar with America's Funniest Home Videos or America's Funniest Hemsworth Videos, an excellent riff, Ivan, uh, it's basically TikTok, but a half hour long and much more annoying. <laughs> so we open on War World. Mave is looking badass. Mm-hmm. I, I'm guessing I haven't even looked it up, but just knowing the show, I'm going to say that's James Bond's gun. <laughs> A Walter PPK or whatever it is. Uh, so uh, Eschaton uh, comes in, and uh, I was immediately like, oh, wow, he's still got his brain. He still remembers. And and Maeve still remembers, too. Oh, wait, they're having two different conversations, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, me being me, I got much further than most people before. I was like, oh, I don't think this is actually the H- Hector Eschaton we know and love. But how do you feel about Hector Eschaton's beard? Oh, I think it's okay. I mean, uh, it's clearly fine. It's clearly a beard wig, right? <laughs> oh, you think that was a fake beard? I, I obvi- now I've been talking about a pop culture fantasy and science fiction TV podcast for years now, and the one thing I've learned is. All of Hollywood is hairless. All hair is glued on. No hair is real. Even <laughs> body hair. Every single person in Hollywood, just every single ha- no one has any hair whatsoever. They're they're just compl- they're all just Ed Begley's and Arrested Development. It took a makeup division five hours every morning to put Robert Robin Williams' body hair on. That's true. <laughs> so, I assume the guy in the chair was a host. Yeah, they're all hosts because uh, it's a simulation. The- it, it is a simulation, but uh, uh, we also find out that uh, there aren't any guests in Westworld. <laughs> no, that they're absolutely not, which makes sense, given how season two of Westworld ended. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, listen, Adventure Park was open despite uh, hundreds of people being injured terribly all of the time. Yeah, and so this is now literally just a Call of Duty server somewhere. <laughs> that There's no difference between this. Here's the thing about video games. You have the power to create anything in the world with almost unlimited creative freedom. As long as there are Nazis. And you make Nazis. <laughs> There's just got to be Nazis. And you make Nazis. And it's like, guys, we could do anything that's not Nazis. Keep in mind, Nazis all have uniforms that have very little detail on them. Very easy to render. <laughs> and <laughs> Thanks, Hugo Boss. <laughs> and, and, then, and then a symbol that's like... Five sticks attached to each other. There's, it's the easiest thing to render that's ever existed. They don't want to do anything more complicated than that. They'd, they'd die. 
Also, uh, some perfect video game sneaking in this scene where, like, if you were a human, you'd be like, hey, what are these two people? What are these two insanely beautiful people doing trying to uh, gingerly run around this entire group of Nazis? Right. They wouldn't be able to sneak around because everybody would be hitting on them. <laughs> exactly. You're like, oh, she fine. <laughs> so they find they escape across the bridge. There are Nazis on the other side. They find the map Hector was hiding. Okay. Did she shove a pill in that Nazi's eye? <laughs> so did you so did you not catch that earlier Hector gave her a cyanide pill? Yeah. But but she just shoved a cyanide pill in a Nazi's eye? If that works, I want to see that in way more movies. Honestly, I feel like if you just jammed your thumb in somebody's eye, it'd be just as effective. <laughs> nope, you gotta use a pill. It won't work. <laughs> a thumb will not actually slow them down. Uh-huh. So they get into an MG, which is a beautiful car, but a terrible choice. MGs are known for being unreliable. I'm surprised it made it all the way to the airfield multiple times on this loop. Mm-hmm. And how was there? So I'm glad it was a simulation because I was very mad at Warworld for many reasons, and all of them were solved by it just being a simulation. So many problems in genre shows could be solved by just having like entire chunks of an episode be a simulation. <laughs> so. That should be the it's all a dream of science fiction genre shows. No, it was just a sim. There should never be a plane in any world. It's inherently a bad idea in a world with concrete boundaries. Like, <laughs> you can't get in a plane. I do love one of my favorite things about World of Warcraft is when that the, they they finally added a flying uh, into the expansion packs. And they were like, oh, we can't put flying into the base game yet. Because it would break the entire game because it was not designed to be seen from that high up. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I would just love – somewhere on YouTube, I'm sure, exists the test videos Blizzard has posted at some point of the first mm-hmm. time they just tried it just to see what would happen. <laughs> oh, no. I believe that there were hacks of it, and it was hilarious how uh, much it broke the game. I'm sure not even like perspective holds up from that yeah. height. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, so cool. at all. It's, it's literally just like, oh, cubes. What a bunch of interesting cubes. So Hector makes a heroic stand, is shot multiple times. Maeve takes herself out. And we Mm -hmm. see, and we go from there to the machine. The circle of the machine noticing a divergence in the South China Sea. So I didn't 100% understand this last week. But when we see the circle, uh, that is the machine, or Randy Bob, thinking. Yeah, the machine is one of those stupid fucking predictive uh, uh, god computers, uh, as, as seem to be all the rage in genre fiction these days. If you're in a Nolan movie, you gotta have a Randy Bob. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, and that's just the uh, predictions, which are, of course, uh, the divergences come from the fact that fucking robots have come out of nowhere to be like, hey, we're robots. Divergences are the only part of the simulation that are interesting. The rest of it's just people like filing paperwork, just doing boring stuff, playing video games. That's interesting. I wonder, is the machine simultaneously rendering the outcome of every video game being played within the world? That it just seems like a lot of processing. You need power. so many teraflops. So many teraflops. You're probably going to need quantum computing. Come on, devs. <laughs> So Maeve realizes that fucking Hector's stupid, and she's just like, ah, whatever, peace out, I'm alt-f-fouring out of here. (laughs) Yeah. So, damaged Arnold. Oh, God, we have to cover this. We only talked... Okay, that... (sighs) I'm going to say, this show's stupid. I... It's their love of anagrams 
is is really hurting Armand my buddy Delgado. Armand Delgado is an anagram for damaged Arnold, or as I'm going to call him going forward, damn Arnold. And so damn Arnold, at the end of the last episode, got on a boat to the Westworld Island, and now he is arriving. I 100% wish that the guy had just stopped at the edge of those like weird machine uh, metal pillars and Arnold had just uh, Bernard had just swam in. <laughs> yeah, that that would have been a delight. I don't think we've seen any of those swim. I don't see any. We have not seen any. I don't think we've seen any robots swim. I I know oh. that we've seen them thrown in the water. We've seen Dolores swim in the last episode in a swimming pool. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I mean that that was a recent one. I'm sure now that I've thought of that, there's probably other examples. <laughs> but it is super surreal seeing Bernard walk through the old church and the surrounding graveyard, and I'm. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I am so ready to be out of the park. Do you not give a shit about the park whatsoever? No! And even the idea of the park? Get us when back into the real world! When they went back to the park, were you literally like, I hate this, let's leave the park? The whole point of me watching a show like this is that it goes forward every season. I, I Even season two, I was like, okay, they did some cool stuff with Samurai World and showing us different levels, but I was like, get the fuck out of the park. If there's a season five, we'd better be on the moon, because I'm not even going to care about Earth at that point. <laughs> Felix, we see, picking up Maeve. I thought he realized Maeve was alive in this moment. Yeah, I thought he realized she was alive, and he was just like, oh, whatever, I'm, I'm going to go do something important to the plot. But no, he just walks away because this is a glorified cameo because this is a fucking sim, and I guess we're not going to see Felix and uh, Sylvester this season. I'm not ruling that out. I think we still might see Felix and Sylvester. They're explicitly alive and working for the corporation at the end of the second season, so there's no reason why we couldn't see them if the show wanted us to and also i mean we're about to get into it but uh you know this is the type of show where if people really like an actor they have an obvious out to bring him back <laughs> lee lee sizemore is back lee sizemore's fucking back and 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 again this is a point where i was like oh if this show does this does one of 14 possible outcomes this is gonna suck i not I'm not joking. At this point and for the next 15 minutes, I lost a lot of faith in the show <laughs> and the show's creators. Were you like, oh my god, this is a stupid show where they'll just have somebody get riddled with bullets and then have them come back the next season and be like, I got a cane now. I hated it. So the, the, at the end of season one, we get William, of well, the man in black, you know, Ed Harris, takes like a bullet to the shoulder and he has a bunch of a bunch of hosts advancing towards him. And I remember thinking like, oh, he's done for. We're not going to see him in the next season. But that he was in the whole next season. Hmm. And so this By the time... the way, st still going to show up at some point, apparently. I mean, you're going to have flashbacks and flash forwards. If these guys, if there's anything they love, it's fucking with time. And that mm -hmm. means you can always go back and just show a little more Ed Harris. Although I do feel like we got confirmation in this episode that basically the uh, Maeve, uh, Bernard, and Dolores subplots are all happening simultaneously. Yeah, I, I am certainly okay with this. I, I mm. don't know that they're going to be able to stop themselves from slipping in some weird time loop that we're all going to be mad about at some point. Mm. But as so far, I believe it's pr relatively linear. And and yeah, so so talking about – so the things that piss me off, not only is Lee Sizemore alive, and we saw him riddled with bullets, which he acknowledges, which made it even worse. 
And he's also put her in the world nearest the forge, which I, I almost paused it and went back to rewatch the, the last episode because it was like, the forge is like drained of water. They, they were retconning a lot of implied futures at the very least. Um, and I did like the Lee Sizemore classic line. He's like, this isn't my dream either. The most nuanced arc is that of a Panzer tank. <laughs> uh, I really loved, uh, would you begrudge a man a living? <laughs> he is so good on this show. <laughs> Gotta get those bennies. He is Gotta so get goddamn good. So, uh, also one thing. This is jumping ahead a slight amount, but we we know she's in a simulation, and I am very curious how closely they were watching the si- si- simulation and how much it was recorded, because she gives away out loud that Felix and Sylvester um, know who she is, recognize her, and have some relationship with her. Which, if they're tracking that at all it's going to come back to haunt sylvester and felix who are still working for the company and presumably have not revealed to anybody that they have any idea that mave was conscious and that in sylvester uh, in felix's case that he actively helped her several times Mm -hmm. when he did not need to so that's going to be interesting yeah uh so they throw a few more fucking red herrings when they're like oh you 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 want to go reunite with your daughter right you want to go open that fucking weird portal from last season and reunite with your daughter right so Dan Arnold heads to the basement below Ford's old house, finds a, a dusty damaged panel, uh, sees the door out of the corner of his eye, finds the room with the copies of Bernard, and finds Ashley Stubbs in the back holding a gun where he presumably shot himself. Now, in the, in the last episode where it's heavily implied that Ashley Stubbs is a host himself, I have to give them so much credit for the moment where Ashley Stubbs moves and Dan Arnold jerks backwards and knocks over one of his own bodies. I <laughs> I laughed for the next ten minutes. Ha. I I really enjoy uh, Ashley Stubbs now that he is completely revealed as a host. I don't have a tragic backstory, just a beefcake, baby. <laughs> That's exactly all it is. Listen, I'm just a man who tried to lift a TV bigger than the world. <laughs> Also, him literally coughing up a bullet is very funny. His whole character is great because, I mean, this the whole two seasons, he was a pretty deadpan character. Just a bland, like, hey, I'm a white guy character. And it, and it turns out that that was all suppressing his actual personality, which is like, listen, I want to help you guys and then end this ride. <laughs> yeah, he tried to blow himself up, but he missed because apparently they didn't give robots good aim. <laughs> Why don't they give robots good aim? Well, I mean, to be fair, they were in a room that didn't have any mirrors. <laughs> he was shooting like the back of his head, a notoriously hard place to be accurate when you're trying to shoot. <laughs> oh, oh, you, are are you telling me that with a gun you couldn't find one single C six vertebrae in your back in your neck? I I've played a lot of Vito games, and I'm confident that I'm a terrible shot. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I am too. <laughs> so Stubbs' last job was to give Dam Arnold a chance to escape, which he took, but then came back. Which Stubbs is like. I gave my life for... He's like a, a first-generation immigrant who's like, I came here so you could have a better life, and now what are you doing? You're a stand-up comedian. That's basically what's <laughs> happening here. <laughs> well, first of all, the, 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 that was years ago that my parents were yelling that at me. <laughs> I, I was posing a hypothetical. No, Nobody in particular in this conversation. So we, we find out that unlike most of the other hosts... Stubbs doesn't have a any need to survive at all, and he's very he's very chill about it. 
I, I love how much uh, uh, he's like, oh, can't wait to kill myself. <laughs> he, can't he, wait. The second you're off this island, I'm going to kill myself so hard. Consciousness is just a living hell full of anxiety. And the second I've done my job, I can end it. <laughs> Finally, somebody who admits it. <laughs> yeah. He's the most relatable character in this whole show. <laughs> he really is. Listen, I, I don't want to think too hard. I just want to do my job, go home and play video games, and kill myself when I get fired. <laughs> so... Bernard came back from Maeve, who is the only one strong enough to fight back against Dolores. And what's crazy is he's not the only character who wants Maeve to fight back against Dolores. Yeah, so I guess that this is going to end up being a, a, a true uh, metaphor for feminism. Yeah. <laughs> is it, do you side with the evil white lady or the nice black lady? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's an open question. We're going we're gonna to figure it out by the end of this. Who's going to win? <laughs> Who is going to win? <laughs> so Maeve loop, Maeve's loop begins again, and I have there's something deep down inside me that finds loop shows so satisfying. My memory is so terrible that I actually get it the third or fourth time through. I <laughs> finally catch all of the details that were right there in the open the first time. I, I absolutely uh, love it. The plane is a lie, just like the cake from that meme. <laughs> and, and the video game. That's one of the few video games that I've played. <laughs> it's such a great game. So Maeve tries to get Hector to come with, but she can't convince him. The saddest part is every loop she basically leaves him behind earlier. She just she loses hope more and more every time. And it, 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 it is heartbreaking. It's exactly like when you get the uh, uh, CPU uh, partner and you just realize, oh, no, th- they are useless <laughs> and are only holding me back. And you find an excuse to get them killed earlier and earlier. I was actually wondering if he was going to force himself to follow along and absolutely like just draw enemies inward <laughs> behind them so that she was forced to kill him at the beginning of every loop, which would have been horrifying. And there's – okay, so there's a specific moment, and I can tell from the way they've set it up that they're like, couldn't get any cars, guys, so I had to use these. And the whole show's like, guys, back into the park on horses. Remember Westworld? You love Westworld. And, and like – as I mentioned earlier, I am not nostalgic for the park yet. We had two full seasons, and I feel like I've seen all there is to see. I don't need to see people ride on fake horses anymore. Like, I'm much more interested in the real world, and this episode was keeping me from it. <laughs> so this episode kind of sucked. I don't know. I absolutely. I mean, I don't think this episode kind of sucked as much as it could have been half as long or had, you know, an entirely different half where we actually had a bunch of plot instead of a bunch of, aren't we clever? I enjoy the cleverness. Uh, I don't know. I just, I just have so little time for cleverness these days because my brain is melting inside of my skull. Ivan, earlier today, I made a letterbox D list full of all of the portrait photographer documentaries I could find, and I started making my way through them. I have nothing but time. <laughs> I've never had so much time in my fucking life. Waste my time with cleverness. I have. I somehow... I, after a life of me never having any fucking thing to do at any time, I've somehow managed to manufacture a situation in which I have the same amount of work that I had a month ago. <laughs> Literally, this has changed nothing as far as how I work. Meanwhile, everybody else is like, oh, no, I have so much time on my hands. And meanwhile, I'm like, fuck another day at the anime titty factory. Stand all these anime titties. <laughs> I just want to play that clip for you. 10 years ago and just see your reaction 
it's insane how much my circumstances have changed. You'd be like, what? I get, I get to work at the anime titty factory? Why, why does it so bad? <laughs> Listen, even anime titties can't stay gold forever. <laughs> so we see some drones, some uh, drone droids, which apparently have replaced QA. Stubbs and Bernard look through. I love it. I love it. They, they, they're all just hanging around while Corbett makes a decision what to do with them all. I love that all the engineers are literally just like a, a, a company where it's like, you know, the writing is, is on the wall, but you're waiting for the bankruptcy notice to kick in. And you're just like, just going to sit here drinking that free kombucha, having sex with the robots. They're like the staff at the UCB during a pandemic, but much more valuable. By the way, the fucking UCB, I, if, if the Upright Citizens Brigade could not be less upright in this situation. <laughs> so the thing that I cannot get over is that apparently they put the, the Upright Citizens Brigade theaters in the hands of a CFO who's a big Trump supporter and should go by Chainsaw, who likes threatening journalists who are like, hey, why, why did you like fire everybody? Literally the most basic fucking uh, uh, journalistic rigor. <laughs> And the guy was like, you are threatening my family. And it's like, no, you, he is asking you questions about why you have basically f- fired every single person who works at these terribly run theaters that already were exploitative of their workers. Like, if fucking Amy Poehler, kick in some of your stupid money. Kick in some of your fucking stupid parks and wreck money. It is the weirdest situation. I mean, it's not weird when you realize that they basically have a, a, a theater for clout and not because they uh, actually care. I mean, I've, I mean, the reality, the thing that I keep thinking about is like, like if they just shut down the theater six months ago, like nobody would be mad at Amy Poehler, and that's weird. <laughs> like that's weird. I, I don't know what to do with that. Like, why aren't we fucking with Horatio Sands, who used the UCB back in the day? I mean, because he he he, he didn't become um, a huge millionaire uh, off of it. <laughs> And is uh, not involved in the day-to-day management at all whatsoever, and is not one of the four multimillionaire owners. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just, I don't know. I, I don't, they're obviously being very shitty. I, I both think that Amy Poehler absolutely should kick in the money. Like, that seems like a no-brainer. And fire this, in fact, fire this douchebag. Even as much as they need the money, I still think she should fire him first. <laughs> I still think it should be like, call one, hey, dipshit, you're fired, then like Venmo everybody. I, in a world where Venmo exists, I find being paid through old-fashioned methods just so rude. <sighs> oh, you want to mail me a paper check, Hitler? I don't want any part of that. <laughs> I, I, fucking uh, checks is basically a way for people to not give you money that they owe you. Yes! Absolutely. Yeah. So... We, we see the drones. Lee and Maeve head into the forge. And this is where I was just like, this is in way too good a condition. I was questioning my own sanity. I was like, wait, I thought this looked completely different than it did before. I I, I was literally like, y- you know what? I, I know that this feels wrong, but I don't remember the events of season two either. I'm glad I rewatched season two because otherwise I would have been like, oh, I okay, I guess I remembered it wrong. When Maeve was like, I- I've never been here ever i was like oh, wait she hasn't ever been here ever no and and i was just like oh 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 you, oh, oh oh you changed me he a robot he a robot minute, the minute he said he changed you changed me i was like he a robot a show that has made figuring out who's what incredibly complicated and hard to follow over two seasons i honestly appreciated them 
just like giving Simon a random glitch just to be like, yep. <laughs> yeah. This guy's a yep. robot. Yeah. And, and I do love that she is like, I know Lee Sizemore. He was the one altruistic guy who wasn't trying to fuck. <laughs> and then at this moment, we cut to Dan Arnold and Stubbs in the body basement. And they find Maeve with the back of her head blown right out and her core scooped. Yeah, yeah. Somebody uh, fucking took a, a ice cream scoop and just went. <laughs> we cut back from there to Lee, who starts freaking out. Oh, my God. This isn't. This isn't Westworld. This is just a simulation. This is a Call of Duty server with a bad ping. <laughs> uh, if a cage doesn't exist, how is it a cage? Welcome to society. <laughs> I also, and this is so in character that it delights me even more, is that Lee Sizemore is not mentally equipped to contemplate being a simulation. <laughs> I, I love it i, I, I love that I, I love that this guy got to come in and be a, a, a fucking stupid version of himself for one episode i i don't feel dead <laughs> yeah because you're a simulation dummy <laughs> okay the we just need to know how to break them what is the square root of negative one i was like i don't know i don't I, fucking know <laughs> it turns out it's a not a real question <laughs> It is well. It's an imaginary number. You can't yeah. actually calculate it with traditional binary hardware. Um, you can only speak about it in a theoretical sense. But then they try and compute it. It's an infinite loop. I love it. It's incredibly dumb. <laughs> I I literally wrote. Weight is her power that making people do math causes causality to break. Oh my god, it is. I, I, absolutely, it is. And it does some. I like how they displayed it too, where she takes the statue of her head, tosses it into there, and it just gets stuck. This does remind me of when you break a fucking uh, game and it just suddenly is like, uh, you're trying to throw something, but I don't know. It was delightful to me. I really enjoyed how they set that up. And the later scene that we get with the, with the Nazis in their Nazi standoff. <laughs> and then we get. Okay. So did this, did this enrage you? Uh, so I, I, I have checked in on Twitter because I wanted to see the reaction to this specific cameo. And I thought it was immediately hilarious and had no other reaction. And 100% of the online reactions are like, I'm going to burn down the home box office. Is that it, it, because, first of all, it, it was Drogon, right? I didn't pause, yeah. but it was definitely Drogon. Oh, it's, I mean, literally the Drogon model. <laughs> I, I am absolutely sure they did, they did not hire a separate uh, a CG staff to make their own Drogon. I 100% bet somebody from the Game of Thrones fucking uh, IT team had to mail a, a DVD of Dragon Dick uh, files over to somebody at Westworld. Buddy, that wasn't just Drogon. Those Delos techs, creators of Confederate. Oh my fucking god. David Benioff and David Weiss. Oh my fucking god. That it was and so and they uh, they had like one stupid line like where the guy was like how are we going to get it out of here and he's like in pieces man. That I and then I, he fired up the saw. I loved it. I thought it was genuinely funny. Why would you not like that? It was such a silly stupid thing. Because it's silly and stupid and indicates that these fucking stupid HBO shows aren't serious. Or, or that they're, like, self-aware. And so this works on two levels. One, if you, if you like Game of Thrones, if you're just delighted by a momentary crossover, that's fun. Um, secondly, 
Here, here's the thing. Imagine for a second that the Nolans are like us. The sorry, Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan are like us, and they hate how Game of Thrones ended, and they despise Benny F. and Weiss for trying to create Confederate. <laughs> Every writer in the Westworld universe is a bad, hacky writer who's just an embarrassing triple A level property who wouldn't know a literary theme if it bit him on the tits. And then <laughs> to have these two guys in that world creating Game of Thrones implies that they're on the level I, of Lee Sizemore. It's a great burn. I just I just hate these kinds of very, very obvious, very in the foreground crossovers when that loot started playing the game of thrones theme song i was like i'm gonna fucking punt my 75 inch tv <laughs> goddamn window but that is something you would actually have in a video game you would have one of the yes because it's dumb right well this is exactly what you would fu- literally in, in, in <laughs> if you get a game like control they have references to their old other video games that they made because it's a fucking stupid video game and not a good tv show well i'm gonna put it on the record i saw the dragon and i laughed very loud i heard their lines i laughed again i saw that i it was, didn't hear their lines i didn't actually hear their lines. i saw that it was benioff also like one of them is just lounging like he's the worst employee of all time like he's sitting on a chair with his butt on the very edge of it like just leaned real far back with his hands in his pocket it's it's great they're they're just they're you know they're two dipshits who would be work with felix and sylvester god so damn arnold jacks into a tablet searches through his own history and then two guards try and shoot bernard and Stubbs, who has to protect the hosts just has his way with them okay How's it going, fellas? <laughs> is maybe one of my favorite line deliveries from Ashley Stubb as he's doing the fucking axe very badly. In <laughs> First, uh, this is why I always insist that everybody approaching me has both of their hands out in front of them at all times. Yeah, I, it's it's very strange to end your house that way, but it makes sense. It's for safety. <laughs> Listen, also, how many he- times have I gotten you with an axe? Zero. Zero. No matter how many times you've tried. <laughs> the, I mean, the one, it was embarrassed the one time that I tried to slip the axe into my belt waistband and it just slid down and hit the floor. <laughs> so so I, I do have to give him credit. He brought an axe to a gunfight and it worked. <laughs> oh, he absolutely demolished them. It does help yeah. that he can take a lot of bullets. Yeah. Also, one thing I want to know about uh, Arnold is that a proprietary port, or does he just have, like, a micro-USB port in his arm? Any piece of technology that's old enough has a mini-USB port. <laughs> Not even micro, just a mini-USB port. It's absolutely terrible. So we get back into Maeve's loop. And he- oh, poor Hector. He's a- she just literally says, chow, in Italian. She's breaking up with him in character, the rudest thing you could possibly do to two characters who have shared a storyline outside of the narrative. Uh, I really love that she basically just turned uh, the traitor marker to yes on all the Nazis. She gave each and every one of them a map, and they all just had a flag that said, kill the traitor. <laughs> it's such great video game shit. And also, I, 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 gotta, I, I gotta admit, I really always fall for these stupid fucking uh, Matrix ass, uh, everything's still, and we're rotating around uh, while one character is moving. Uh, that one soldier who's like 
throwing himself to the ground while like blood is spurting out of both sides with a hilarious expression on his face i was like this is funny this is funny and it looks i love that we're at the point that we can have a an effect that was almost the basis of a triple a movie release uh, just as a joke. Do you remember? Do you remember that fucking bullet time and the jump up Trinity kick were? Oh yeah, parodied everywhere for about five to ten years afterwards. It, it was weird because I saw. Well, I watched the Matrix last year for the first time in I don't know a decade, and when 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 there's the part where he enters the simulation, it's a white room, and he says, "We need guns," and the shelves of guns slide in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it's that car rental commercial that I've seen a million times. <laughs> I'd forgotten that that was originally from The Matrix because I'd seen whatever the like car rental or purchase commercial was so many times that it had taken the space of The Matrix uh, from me. Isn't it hilarious how incredibly influential that first Matrix movie was and how nobody gives a shit about the second and third? <laughs> Well, you're going to have to, buddy, because the fourth one's going to be coming out. They've been filming oh it in God. San Francisco. I, I, I assume they've stopped now that I hadn't even thought of that, but they had been filming. I hope they've stopped. I hope they've we, stopped. We need to protect Keanu Reeves yeah. at all costs. I hate to say it, but I mean, he's aging amazingly. He's getting he's, up there. He's but he's still, in the, there. he's still in the age demographic where it's much more of a concern. <laughs> so the server gets overloaded. The rendering just stops for everyone but Maeve. Uh, this is rad. And Maeve, Maeve gets a few... Uh, into the Delos server room, they have stacks. Yeah. So this this is this is uh, some sort of mass host backup server, and I I'm interested if this is that they bought all of the pearls off of Delos or if well, I'm pretty sure I'm is, pretty sure we are still in Delos, and I I don't think this is a backup so i think this is literally if you think of the matrix where they all have the human bodies physically plugged into the matrix you know Mm -hmm. this this is the matrix where they're physically plugging in host consciousnesses uh into the simulation that they're running for some purpose or Mm -hmm. probably many purposes and they have one thing that was interesting to me is that this is this is an it level like these people are not military or guards you notice when the the droid that is controlled by Maeve starts to break out. All of the people who are working there just literally like duck and cover. Like they have no defenses <laughs> I love whatsoever. How many of them just like throw themselves to the floor? <laughs> I do have to. I do want to go back and look at the serial number on Maeve's core. I'm pretty sure it's somebody's birthday. It starts off with 1983, uh, and then I'm going to guess either January 25th or December 5th. It's it's one of those two. But I'm I'm pretty sure that's somebody's birthday. Um, just get. I'm. I'm trying to think. Could that be like? Mm, could it be Tandy? No, Tandy's older than no. That, right? Tandy's Tandy. Tandy was born in the seventies. I, I mean, if I just had to guess, just by how old I think everybody is, maybe Shannon Woodward. Uh, I, I I have no idea. I'm gonna look into that. I uh, I do really love how much uh purpose how, how purposefully the uh drone robot walks. Yeah, and and Mandy, but Mandy straight reformats the drone, which I think Mandy? is Mandy. Maeve, Maeve, I, Tandy, that's what it is. I think you just combined Maeve and Tandy. Yeah, I'm, uh, Mandy Potemkin, you know, the cross between <laughs> I, I was literally and Tandy. like, w- w- but, but, but this isn't Homeland. <laughs> so sh- she straight formats the drone, which is rude. She removes all the fail saints from the maintenance drone, turns it all. She's like, nah, we're not on a PVE server anymore, buddy. This is PVP. <laughs> and... 
And then she had this maintenance drone rules. So, so I was, uh, I, I did not know whether the maintenance drone was directly being controlled by Maeve or whether it was set on like some sort of automated path. Uh, so I believe it is being controlled by Maeve. Maeve hacked into huh. it, and then so it's literally holding her consciousness, which I assume somehow is able to still do processing and is powered somehow. And that, that's why you got to get that Bluetooth consciousness. Got to get Bluetooth consciousness. Don't get the old ones. You got to get the new ones. And I'm torn because I want Tandy Newton in the show, but I also want this drone to be our hero. Make I love this drone. Yeah. Make all of you normie people who need facial expressions to empathize with people to have to focus <laughs> on this stupid faceless drone. It'll be chappy all over again. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Never need to make eye contact with another human being ever again. So what the overlays that the droid is getting as it's fighting these soldiers are deeply funny to me. I love it when when it's like, uh, low priority, low priority. I'm going to kick this guy's ass. L- literally, there's a guy shooting at her with his 9mm submachine gun, and her sensors are like, threat level, low. <laughs> but they yeah, do- but the robot does eventually get a uh, fucking machine gun to death. Yeah. So, Arnold, Dolores was obsessed with this Liam dude. We'll go look for him on the beach. Stubbs is like, oh, going to go kill myself now. Nice meeting you. <laughs> And then he's given a new reason to live, you bastard. Uh, I, I love this team-up. It's going to be Lone Ashley and Bar- Bernard. I Yeah, I'm really... Stubbs was never somebody that I disliked, but I didn't expect that he would be a character that I'm looking forward to hanging with more. <laughs> yeah. So Maeve wakes up in a modern version of the one-strap dresses from Karth. There, there's high ceilings, repurposed interior. Oh, no. She's in a Soho loft. Did they set her up at an all-inclusive resort for black middle-aged professionals? When does Sade start playing? I, I'm, I'm into that. We, get, we can get into that world. <laughs> so we get our first glimpse. And then Vincent Castle. Vincent at- Castle is here playing Greasy Frenchman, uh, the classic Vincent Castle role. Man, I, I really enjoy Vincent Castle. <laughs> is it just because you love seeing a greasy frenchman be condescending to uh your main character that's part of it but anytime vincent castle is on screen i'm just like i feel like i'm in danger <laughs> i the viewer like i'm scared also for the people that i like that he's doing business with but uh, yeah i just definitely feel like i'm in danger are you terrified by any man who wears a blazer over a cardigan <laughs> it's one of the scariest things you can do <laughs> our history is like the ravings of a lunatic. That's right. That's exactly what it feels like right now. Uh, history has an author, and they are all of us. It's called Wikipedia. <laughs> I, I also want to mention for people who you know maybe haven't podcasted about Westworld or gone on the forums or rewatched last week's episode, that his name, he's Engarad Sirach, and Sirach is the guy who is the only remaining person who has control of the machine. So mm-hmm. this is the person who Dolores is presumably coming for, and now we know why he feels like he needs Maeve to be ready for her. Yeah, so this is going to be fucking, uh, they're, they're setting this up to be Dolores v. Maeve for all of the fucking literal robot marbles. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if this is eventually where it goes. So I'm curious. Also, we did not see Dolores whatsoever in this episode. <laughs> we did not see Dolores whatsoever in this episode. So he has program into the body that he has built for her, a freeze all motor functions button mm-hmm. and is he just gonna leave her there frozen for like a day <laughs> I, I i guess 
I mean, we'll see. That is that is a hellish thing to be able to lord over somebody. So, I mean, I, I obviously he's going to start off fighting for him because she has to, and then we'll see where it takes it from there. Probably no place morally satisfying. I, I mean, I, I am looking forward to Vincent Castle getting destroyed by robots. Okay, I'm just just because I can picture it, Vincent Castle is going to die through a large, sharp object. Not a weapon, but something sharp. Impaling? Impaling. Do you think it's going to be from the front, from the back? I'm going to say that he is going to unexpectedly get mobbed by those drone robots. He's going to think that he's in a really uh, uh, got the upper hand, and then suddenly the robots start to slowly turn around to look at him, and he's like, oh, no, uh, more robots. And then as he is facing them, he'll start to back away, and then boom, impaled from behind. Exactly. Yeah, I, th- I think that's it. I think we've already yeah. planned out his demise. I mean, this could be, this might not even be this season. Could be the very last episode of this show in eight years. <laughs> but I feel like uh, we've, lo- we've planned his whole arc already. Love that Vincent Castle is our big bad now. <laughs> I do genuinely like it. It's a good time. But yeah, that yeah, so that was the episode. That it was it. Truly felt like it could have been twenty minutes less. I. I absolutely enjoyed it. I'm I'm looking forward to the directing career of Richard Lewis. He started off on a pretty a pretty good you know, freshman effort. <laughs> so we do. Uh, I, I do want to tell people thank you. We've gotten a couple people who've made the effort to support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Swords. Thank you to all the people uh, who've been giving us money, and I appreciate people who. See how much content we've been putting out this month, including the extra episode we did in the past week. Um, it's, it's all coming down the pipeline. And to remind people that this is the last episode that is going to be in the Boar's Gorn Sword feed. So please make sure you're subscribed to Doesn't Sound Like Anything to Me. We are on Spotify now. I got that done way too late, but it is there now. You can listen on Spotify. I know a lot of people do it there, along with any other podcatcher that you have. If you want to, Send us a message. You can find us on Twitter at Borscore Swords. You can find Ivan on Twitter at Ivan underscore Hernandez. And you can find Red on Twitter at Red underscore Scott. Bye. See ya.